Today on Billionaire Brainstorming, the COVID-19 vaccine, will you need more than one and how much is it going to cost you? And which of your favorite tech companies is coming under fire from the Department of Justice all the way in Washington, D.C.? And how can quantum computing make you a lot of money in the future? Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Billionaire Brainstorming, the show that results from my daily efforts to spot the trends and patterns in the fields of politics, economics, and more in the hopes of giving you, the listener, a billion-dollar idea. Now, I want to clarify, I am no financial expert. I have to be honest with you. I don't want to you know, give off any false impressions of that. I'm not a stock guru, and I'm not selling a side hustle, nothing like that. Um, I don't even have an affiliate code, if that makes you feel any better. Just to clarify, my name is Connor. Once again, I am the host of the show here. Uh, this show kind of resulted from my efforts uh, to spot trends in the market, or like I said, in politics and economics and so on. I'm really just kind of tired of taking a backseat to the world. This year has been enlightening in a way. It's 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 really shown me, and of course, I'm sure many others, kind of what you can really do even in the middle of a crisis. I mean, millionaires are being made right now from investing in just the right stocks. For example, Pfizer. Uh, Pfizer stock has, I want to say, doubled. It's gone to around 250% since uh, I believe it was the beginning of the pandemic, around April. I do know Moderna has tripled in value. I know that because I put money in it and then I took money out of it. And I'm a little mad about it. But either way, we're not here to talk about my shortcomings. The point is, we're here to look at, again, trends and develop future-facing postulates, as I like to say. In other words, ideas about the future, where things could be going, where you can put your money, what you can do now to possibly make money in the future, and honestly, just kind of learn about some really cool news. So let's get started with the obvious one. So the most interesting thing that's happened so far, first of all, Mitch McConnell has made himself a national enemy of the people. I mean, I, you know, there's a part of me that has to give him some props. The guy has got a spine. That or he just has no heart. I don't know which. Um, politics aside, it takes an incredible amount of guts to just outright block stimulus money like that. Now, I say that because, you know, the majority of Americans are in need right now. And those that aren't are just kind of expecting that money. Now, I, I have to admit, not every American, myself included, is the best with money. We like to use credit cards. We like to buy cars we can't afford. We like to not really balance our checkbooks all that well. So... $2,000 would really solve a lot of our problems temporarily. Um, however, I'm no economist, but I feel like that might cause some inflation. But again, I'm not an economist, so feel free to correct me on that. But yeah, so there's been some, you know, fighting this past week uh, all about, and I say fighting in, in you know, up in, the, up in Washington, the, the land of politics and old white men. Um, fighting about, uh, you know, what the appropriate stimulus amount is for the American people and you know, whether or not Trump should read all 5,000 pages of that stupid bill that they decided to uh, push out. Um, but either way, I'm sure they'll come to a, a great decision for the best in mind. They will, they always, you know, they always put Americans forward. They never, ever <clears throat> put themselves before anyone else, ever. Moving on. So let's talk about uh, the COVID-19 vaccine and kind of what's going on in that, uh, in that area of things. So Johnson & Johnson, they actually have a vaccine that's currently in its phase three clinical trials. So they're really close to getting things done. Um, it, what's interesting is it requires only one shot, 
instead of two. So the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, I'm sure you've heard those names constantly over the last six months. They've been in the news a lot. Um, their, their vaccines require two shots. You have to come in, I want to say it's a couple weeks later for the second dose. Uh, and you're, of course, you're paying for both individually. You don't just pay for a, a bundle deal. You know, you don't pay like 30 bucks up front and get both. I want to say it's per shot. Um, now, that is that is somewhat speculative, um, but based off the articles I've been reading, uh, it seems like that is the case. It seems like an individual pricing per shot. Um, anyway, so Johnson & Johnson's vaccine is not emergency FDA approved, which is interesting. Um, however, I would say it might be worth watching their stock. Now, their stock isn't really a big mover from what I've seen. They don't seem to have a lot of uh, explosive performance. It's not like uh, Tesla, you know, our, our big, our, uh, our good old friend, Elon Musk, who uh, likes to manipulate his stock prices with the flick of a wrist. Um, for legal reasons, that is a joke. But Johnson & Johnson doesn't, it, they, again, they don't move. They're kind of like stationary almost. So I will say this much. They should be seeing some growth. That would be my guess after they get this vaccine out, honestly. So they're currently sitting at $157 per share. They are not, I mean, let's check the five-year chart. Five-year chart is not the best here. Like they were, what, $98 in 2016. They're now 150 Okay, so we're looking at a about a 50% growth. So not amazing, but, you know, if you're in it for the long haul, you might make some money. But I am saying this much. I'm not into options trading. It's a bit too dicey for me, but I know some people who've made a lot of money doing it. If you got the guts for it, maybe buy a call on Johnson & Johnson. But you didn't hear that from me. So moving on, um, COVID-19, has, has, it's an interesting disease. It really is. It's, a lot of people are saying it's just like the flu. And I say a lot of people as in the average American. You know, they, they don't really do a lot of research on this. They kind of speculate based on what their friends say. And yeah, that's right. I'm calling you out. You know who you are, okay? Um, but that said, COVID-19 antibodies have actually disappeared after a few months in some patients, which is concerning because repeat vaccinations might be necessary uh, and might even be required in some, some people. You know, those with autoimmune diseases might actually need that vaccine repeatedly. And forgive me if I sound ignorant when I say this, but it might even affect the vaccine itself might even affect you negatively if you have an autoimmune disease, because I want to say it's supposed to trigger the response. Isn't that how that works? It's supposed to trigger the immune response? Well, either way. Point is, it's it's not consistent with with the things that we know about like the flu, like influenza, you know, it's it's very different. And it's a little startling. Um, but I would say that long-term investment in Pfizer and Moderna would probably be wise. I actually, I sold my stocks in Moderna and I intend to buy them back because I have a feeling they're going to grow even more towards the middle of this year. Cause I feel like my guess is that June of this year is when the vaccine hype is really going to take off because right now they're, they're slowly releasing it to the, um, the frontline workers, right? Those that are in the most, the, how do I say this? The hot zones, like nurses, doctors, things like that. That's, that's my understanding. So I'm guessing that it'll be more available to the public around, I'd say May or June, honestly. Um, but that said, uh, according to an article from Healthline, uh, Moderna's two-dose vaccine will go for around 32 to $37. Now that they didn't say whether or not that is the entire price or whether that's an individual price, you know, per shot, like I was saying earlier. Um, what's interesting, though, is that Pfizer is undercutting them severely. Theirs will only be $19.50. And then of all people, AstraZeneca 
which I want to say they're an allergy manufacturer. They had commercials on TV years ago. Um, their vaccine is dirt cheap. And so is their stock. Their stock is like, what, 48 bucks a share? So their vaccine is is 3 to $4. That's an estimated 3 to $4. So let me see. I want to say their stock price is around, yeah, forty nine ninety nine, for a limited time only. Um, feel free to, uh, you know, throw throw 50 bucks in there. Who knows? You might, you know, make a couple bucks. Maybe throw 100 in there if you got the cash. I know a lot of us are tight on cash right now, but I do see that unemployment has decreased. So I'm assuming some of you might have a little bit in the bank. Um especially after this week's stimulus checks went out. Uh, congrats to those of you who got your stimulus checks. I was able to get mine uh, earlier this week, and I've been blessed. Seriously, though. Seriously. I mean, I, I, I think it's great that the government is even doing this. You know, who doesn't want $600? Um, it wasn't my money to begin with, but I'll take it. You know, I'll take it off your hands. Um, but that said, you know, back to, uh, back to the vaccines here. Um, the CDC does advise that even after you receive the vaccine, you should continue wearing your mask and social distancing as they're still learning about the behavior of COVID-19. I'm going to say that again for those of you who weren't paying attention. You know, you're on your commute to work and you're not actually listening completely. The CDC advises that even after you get the vaccine, you should still wear a mask and still socially distance yourself or practice social distancing, whatever the proper term is for that, whatever the proper connotation is or conjugation or one of those Asians. Look, just wear your mask, please. Just because you got immunity doesn't mean that it's not going to come back later, okay? Antibodies are disappearing in some patients, which means you are susceptible again. Also, viral shedding is a thing. I looked this up last night because I, I have several friends who've gotten COVID-19. They've tested positive for it. Some of them are legitimately sick. Two of them were hospitalized. Um, thank God they're still alive. I mean that. Um... They uh, they said, you know, there was there was varying symptoms between all of them. Um, but I looked into the viral shedding of COVID-19 because I was curious. I wanted to see those friends. I wanted to, you know, hang out with them because they're my friends. Um, unfortunately, COVID-19 supposedly sheds up to three months after you recover from it. That's a long time. And that's that's a bit too much for for my comfort level. So I, uh, I've decided to be like Howard Hughes. I'm locking myself in my apartment and I'm not coming out, period. End of story. And on the other end of the spectrum, let's get away from uh, disease-related news. Let's, uh, let's move towards you know more action in Washington. Yeah, we talked about politics earlier with good old Mitch McConnell, but let's, let's talk about the Department of Justice. So October of this past year, uh, the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against Google for using, quote, anti-competitive tactics to preserve its search engine business. Is that not a shocker? The biggest search engine in the world that is now synonymous, its, it's name is, is no longer a proper noun. It's actually a verb at this point. And the name is almost, it's, it's used more commonly than any curse word, I would say. Yeah, they, they, they've been using anti-competitive tactics to preserve its search engine business. I love that. I, it, what a surprise, really. Can't imagine what they're doing. And they're tailoring ads. You know, they're, they're probably limiting search results. Who would have thought that somebody with all this power would actually control things that are happening, you know, through their company? Uh, but later on, in December of, of uh, this year, December 17th, 38 states filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google as well for accusing it of running illegal digital advertising monopolies <laughs> and enlisting Facebook to rig ad auctions. Holy crap. 
I mean, this is sounding kind of cyberpunkish already. It's it's this kind of dystopian controlling information age. And you know, I'm no I'm no expert on on what constitutes dystopia, but this sounds pretty messed up. Um, these same states also claim that Google manipulated data, or excuse me, manipulated digital advertising markets in a frivolous violation of antitrust laws. In other words, Google is getting caught with their pants down. And it's interesting how quiet they are about it. They're not not really saying anything. Whereas, like you know, good old Zuckerberg, whenever he's caught doing anything, for the most part, he'll he'll show his robotic face, his his lizard eyes dart around for a few minutes in front of Congress, and then he, and he drinks water awkwardly, and then goes back to his his high tower, uh, his golden tower of of safety. Speaking of which, Facebook has also been accused by the FTC of quote buying up and squashing smaller startups, calling for an unwind of its acquisitions. The FTC wants them to release those acquisitions of of WhatsApp and Instagram. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Facebook bought Instagram. I think it was I think it was last year. I think it was the beginning of last year. They bought WhatsApp like two years ago. Um, those of you that like to use WhatsApp and think it's safe, just just be careful because Facebook. You know, they have come under fire for data mining and for spying on, on, uh, on their participants or their users, I should say. So do do be careful. <laughs> don't don't say anything stupid. Or if you enjoy sending nudes to one another, you know, make sure it's a good one. So if somebody steals it and uses it for an ad on a questionable website later, at least you look hot, right? At least you'll it'll be in a good light. In other news, Apple and Amazon, while not currently in legal, you know, hot water, they are catching the eyes of the House Judiciary for monopoly-like business practices, which is shocking. Who would have thought that the richest man on earth would engage in monopoly-like practices? Who would have thought that the dragon that is Jeff Bezos hoarding all of his money would want to reduce competition? I never would have thought that. If I had his money, I would do that. I would just, I would promote competition We'd all live happily ever after. We'd all make a lot of money. All of us would, would, would do great things together. I would, make, I would make capitalism great again. That's what I would do if I had his money. And I would solve world hunger just for that. Just, I just, I'd throw that in there. This is my, by the way, this is my actual audition tape for, uh, for Miss Universe 2021. I, I hope they take it. Um, that's that's my, my practice for the speech. Uh, my rehearsal of, of my acceptance speech. What's interesting, though, is that Republicans and Democrats have managed to agree on a desired repeal of Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, which I looked into this, and it appears to, shield, quote, shield social media companies from lawsuits over the content posted by its users. In other words, you remember those ad campaigns in 2016 when Trump was first elected? Um, there was this, this, well, I, let me rephrase that. Do you remember the Mueller report? That's what I meant. The Mueller report. Um, was, was uh, you know, that big, long document that basically said that Russia ran these crazy ad campaigns all over Facebook promoting um, Trump uh, propaganda, I want to say. And then there was, in other words, they had their hands in the election, supposedly. Um, and that's, that's essentially what the Communications Decency Act has done, is allowed that to happen because Facebook can't get in trouble for that. Um, the main inspiration for this, this repeal or this sudden, you know, revocation of this of the disinformation campaigns, actually came about. It's funny because you know, in 2016, it was it was kind of a big deal because 
you know, the Mueller report came out a couple years later and everyone was upset about it. But we also quickly forgot about it because we're Americans and we like to listen to the media and we don't really like to do our own research. That's just kind of what we do. We just follow the, the bright lights, the, the dangling, shiny thing that is Fox News. The reason for all these, these or I should say the reason for this, this repeal is actually from the disinformation campaigns during the 2020 presidential election. It's like it was highlighted this year. But four years ago, it wasn't noticed. Nobody, nobody noticed a thing for some reason. Nobody thought anything. In 2016, um, he lost the popular vote as well. He won the electoral college votes, which is you know fine. That's how we do things. You know, you win the number, you know, X amount of electoral college votes, and you get in. Fine. But the popular vote. In other words, the country didn't seem to really want him. Um, I can't speak for the entire country. I know there are those that love the man, and there are those that still do and still will. I get it. I respect your opinions. I just may not agree with them. However, we're just going to ignore what was said in the Mueller report and instead only focus on the most recent election? Are we blind? Are we stupid? I don't know. Maybe maybe we are. Maybe we are just a bunch of goldfish being you know shaken around like we're in an Etch-A-Sketch. Um, but that said, there's also been talk regarding data mining practices and increased privacy for American citizens, which is kind of cool. However, Congress is kind of, they're, they're not really able to reach a resolution at this time about it. Based on the research I've done, they don't seem to reach an agreement or are capable of reaching an agreement, I should say. I got to be honest, I can't, I'm not surprised because you know somebody in Congress is making money off of this data mining stuff. Somebody in Congress has their money invested in Facebook and Apple and Amazon you know, these, uh, honestly, somebody's got to be making some, there are those who really want to do better things for the American people. I firmly believe that. I do believe there are good people in Congress and the House of Representatives. There are good people in politics. However, they are often shut down by those who are kind of predatory by their own, you know, greedy, selfish desires. Because data is valuable. Data is is the new gold, I would say. It's the, or I should say it's the new oil. So if you're looking to go into a career any high schoolers or just out of high school kids listening to this, um, yeah, go into something data-related, you know, data scientists, go into computer science, cybersecurity even, you know, people got to secure their data. So that might be uh, worth investing your time in, if you can tolerate it. I know it's not for everybody. But what's interesting is that all this may mean it's time to sell out of your favorite tech companies. So the Department of Justice is, is coming, you know, they're bringing the hammer down, right? They're coming down hard on our favorite companies. Uh, they are kind of looking at TikTok and, and thinking of how to kind of break them up because TikTok has exploded this year, by the way. They are enormous. But all these tech companies are about to be broken up. They're, they're too big for their britches. Congress is getting upset about it. And that might be a bad thing. That could cause stocks to plummet. So if you got money in, in tech right now, you might want to, you know, in certain tech companies, social media specifically, you might want to pull a, pull it out. Maybe wait till around March or April and then pull back. Because I feel like we're not going to see, you know, Congress moves slow. The government just moves slow. There are a few exceptions, but for the most part, it's a, it's a creeping process. Uh, but that said, let's move on to some more positive news. Something that was really interesting. So quantum computing has actually been making some strides in error correction. Um, I'll explain a bit about what that means here in a second. So there's been some big, supposedly, and now they've been very hush-hush about this, but Google, IBM, Honeywell, and several others that are invested in, in quantum computing, 
they've been supposedly making really big advancements in data storage. So quantum computers are actually very, I don't want to say the word volatile, but I guess that is correct. They're, they're very sensitive. So if you're saving something, you know, your computer hard drive is doing its thing and you're in the process of saving something like saving a game, saving a project you've been working on, and you punch your computer or you kick it or it falls over or an earthquake happens, it could scramble the data, right? That's just something that you you know happens. Um, quantum computers work on a slightly different principle. They work with something called qubits, which is a fancy word that just means data existing in multiple in multiple states. Now, I'm sure you're probably wondering why I emphasize the word data like that. Um, I have no real reason, but I did it. So in, in your desktop or laptop computers, you know, the, your data is stored in, in the form of what are called bits, which when grouped together with other bits can add up to what is called a byte and then megabytes and then gigabytes and so on. So you might understand now you kind of, you know, you might recognize this. If you look at the back of your phone, if you have an iPhone, it'll say 128 GB or gigabytes. Now you understand where that term comes from. That gigabyte is made up of thousands and thousands and thousands of bytes, which are actually bits. Moving on, um, these bits are represented in a computer in a very simple fashion of either a one or a zero. Simple as that. It's on, off, input, output, period, right? So in your phone, there are thousands, actually millions of ones and zeros going you know, throughout your, your hard drive, hard drive, geez, through your internal storage, excuse me. Uh, so every time you open an app and do something, there's a bunch of ones and zeros racing across your screen and throughout your phone trying to make things happen, right? So qubits are significant because, once again, thanks to intense research in quantum mechanics, it actually allows a regular bit, just like in your iPhone, to exist as both a one and a zero, which means increased storage capacity and efficiency. So instead of having a one or a zero, you have both at the exact same time. Now to further understand how that might help, imagine if all the pictures on your phone suddenly only took up half the space they used to. I'm sure you like taking pictures of your cat or your dog or your significant other. Imagine if you could take twice as many pictures now and store twice as many pictures. That's what I meant. If you could store twice as many. That is what a qubit does. It's, it's actually manipulated at the quantum level. It is a piece, it is almost, I guess you could say physical matter. And this is a very rudimentary explanation, by the way. So any quantum physicists or even, you know, data scientists out there that are listening to me explain this and kind of butcher it, I apologize. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. I did my cursory research on this to kind of understand more about it. But this is about the best I could understand. Qubits are fascinating. So, that said, qubits are also easily corrupted or influenced by outside forces, and correcting errors as a result of those outside forces has been a huge focus for scientists that have been working in this field. Um, IBM and many others are indicating progress in this area by 2024. They're working on something. They haven't really said what, but they're saying in the next three years they're going to have some crazy you know, tactic or, or method of, of fixing this, which means... Quantum computers are going to slowly progress towards the consumer level. If you get in now, if you see a new company that's that gets into, you know, in, in a new company that supports quantum computing or that's their main focus, you might want to buy now. IBM is another steady mover, right? They're kind of they they just kind of hang out on the market. They're just chilling. 
they do their thing. Honeywell isn't really, they haven't been very explosive. I mean, if you look at their chart, hang on, Honeywell chart. Let's let's just take a quick look here. Okay, so in five years, Honeywell has gone from $93 to $212. Okay, so it's been a steady 200% increase, but over five years. In other words, no explosive gains, again, like Tesla. So that said, you know, put your money in now. I would I would say so. I intend to buy IBM. I think I'll buy I think I'll buy Honeywell as, as well. Honeywell I like. Um, they've been kind of in the background, but they as far as I know they're not mining data like Google. They're not under investigation from the Department of Justice, which is good. You know I don't I don't like to invest in criminals. But again, yeah, take a look at different uh, tech companies that are in the quantum computing fields. And again, if any startup comes up, buy into it. Why not? I intend to throw your money in it. See what happens. Now, for some additional news, um, for, you know, interesting news or things that I just kind of found throughout the week that I think could be potentially profitable. Um, home prices, according to an article from CNBC, home prices have jumped up almost 8%, at least in the month of October. They jumped up 7.9%. Now, rises in home prices, or I should say rising in home prices, means an eventual crash. There's going to be a bubble, and then there will eventually be a little, you know, the bubble's going to pop. And there goes all the home prices. And suddenly you can buy a 14-bedroom mansion in, you know, New Mexico for $11,000. I don't know if that's realistic, but I just really want to... I'm a fan of Breaking Bad, so I just kind of want to buy a, a big house that looks like a drug lord lived there. You know, Gustavo Fring's house looked pretty great in the movie. I don't know if it was that big, but it looked nice. Did I just say movie? It's a TV show. You know what I mean. Whatever. Anyway, those of you who ever wanted to start an Airbnb... It might be time to look into it now. Um, I would say I would say keep your eyes out uh, on the uh, on the housing market near you, uh, especially if you live in Texas. A lot of people are moving to Austin, Texas lately. Austin, Texas, Portland, Oregon has kind of gone up in value. I should say, not kind of. It has gone up a lot, but it's it's slowing down a bit. I think that's mainly because of the riots earlier this year. Um, but certain cities like Denver, Phoenix. Um, there are certain cities around the country that are very popular right now, especially with the younger generation, because honestly, everywhere else is just too damn expensive. (laughs) That said, again, if you're looking to start an Airbnb, go for it. Why not? Airbnbs are a very capitalist idea. I, there's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because Airbnbs are great if you are the owner. You, You can rent out a place for 300 bucks a night you know you could even uh, you could undercut hotels right for a nightly fee of 150 to 200 dollars. however that does prevent someone else from renting in your neighborhood or from buying you know because you you've taken the property you've taken one of the options and that i want to say drives housing prices up as a result i want to say it increases rent too i've heard of people buying up apartment complexes and just kicking out the tenants like they just buy them outright and just say by the way we're turning this into an airbnb goodbye just boot them right out yeah, don't do that. That's that's not cool. On a similar note, though, newer generations, the the younger folks, the those darn millennials and the uh, the the Zoomers, as they say, the Gen Z, uh, they are uh, they're choosing to rent over buy, which is kind of interesting. Um, they uh, they find that they'd rather rent because of the increased flexibility. Um, they uh, I want to say they don't pay property taxes as a result. No, you don't. What am I saying? You don't. So it's, it's becoming a much more flexible option for the younger generation, which is interesting. That means it's going to be harder for you to sell your house in a couple years. So if you've got property and you're looking to move, you might want to think about it in this next year. This, these next 12 months could be very interesting. Um, I'd say in the next eight. Let's see. What is it? Oh, it's January. So 
yeah, probably July or August, I'd say we'll see a real spike in houses, housing prices, and then uh, then we're going to see a crash in the winter, I bet. Don't quote me on it. No, quote me on it. Screw it. Why not? Let's see if I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's okay. Now, that said, I do hope that a lot of you have gotten your stimulus checks this week. Seriously. I do I do know that a lot of you are, are waiting for it. Um, I hope you get everything that you want from it. You know, you're able to afford either paying rent or your mortgage or your car, whatever the case may be. Um, but if you have any left over, consider funding that startup you've been waiting on. Think about think about what you could do with six hundred or twelve hundred dollars if you're married. Uh, think about what you could do with this potential additional money coming our way. Um, but let's take the money you've got now, right? That's six hundred dollars. There are still ten million people in this country unemployed. So uh, if you need someone to work for you. You've got a, a pot full of 10 million people at your disposal. Just something to think about. Uh, in other news, the uh, State Department has approved the potential sale of 3,000 smart bombs to Saudi Arabia. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, why are we selling bombs to Saudi Arabia? Well, we're doing it for a good cause. It's, it's, it's a good, heartfelt cause, and it's to help Saudi Arabia fight the war in Yemen. It is, it is totally fine. There's nothing suspicious about this at all. There's no real, you know, it's, 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 we've, by the way, we happen to have sold a bunch of F-35s earlier this year to other countries as well. Um, again, probably for good reason. It's, you know, we would like to help others. That's what we do. We do not start wars in this country. We don't cause conflict. We help others. That's, we're the best country ever. We're only good. That's it. So whatever you're thinking about how weird it is that Boeing you know, the people who make planes, are the prime contractor for those 3,000 smart bombs being sent to Saudi Arabia to fight this war in Yemen. If you're thinking that's weird or anything, no, that's on you. Don't, don't, it's, no. But if war breaks out in the next year or two, maybe look into their stock. And if their CEO, Dave Calhoun, decides to move to another company for whatever reason, because he's embarrassed of the fact that he's being such a good guy and, and not causing war at all, uh, maybe watch what's, what company he goes to if he decides to. He's a new CEO, by the way. Uh, he, was, uh, he was put into uh, that position, I want to say, halfway through last year. He's, he's pretty new, um, which is a little concerning. But then again, he was, he was you know, hired as the CEO for a reason. Anyway, we've also been selling weapons to uh, <clears throat> Kuwait. Uh, the Pentagon tried to block that, and it just didn't work. Um, so yeah, Boeing was involved in the sale of some weapons to Kuwait, um, Lockheed Martin, General Electric, and a company called Raytheon Technologies. Those are some names I would keep an eye on if things break out. You know, if, if the War on Terror Part Two, Electric Boogaloo, becomes a reality, I would uh, I would I would look into their their stocks and see what uh, see if you could have some uh, potential growth there. You know, grow some grow some equity, some liquidity, whatever the word is. And then, of course, another interesting, uh, this is an interesting take from a historian from Oregon State University uh, about how coronavirus will, how things are going to change towards the end of coronavirus, or I should say, as the pandemic comes to a close. So this guy, Christopher McKnight Nichols from Oregon State University, he suggests we might see a dramatic rise in leisure activities like live music, concerts, and sporting events. Now, I won't advise you to scalp tickets. But if I was a betting man, when things do clear up, scalpers will make a lot of money. 
because everyone's going to want to be out. Everyone's going to want to be there. Everyone wants to go with their sweetheart, their significant other, to a music festival, to go see Maroon 5 in concert again, go see the Rolling Stones struggle to pronounce their lyrics in, in, in concert because it's, it's more fun in concert. You know, when you listen to it on the record player, it just doesn't, it doesn't hit the same. So venues might also become cheaper to rent, by the way, out of despair because they need money, right? And nobody's able to really, you know, concerts aren't very common these days. I've heard of a few socially distanced comic, or I should say comedy events, but band concerts and such are not all that common these days. So uh, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're new to the scene, if you've got a SoundCloud or if you're on Spotify like me, why not rent a rent a venue? Look into one of the bigger venues and and see if you can if you could snag a uh, a reservation for a year from now maybe you know try to try to promote yourself gas yourself up on social media hype everybody up for the next year and then when that time comes all of a sudden you're playing at Comerica Theater or you're playing at the Marquee or you're playing at you know Madison Square Garden for a hundred dollars a night because they were just that desperate I don't think that's gonna happen but you gotta you gotta think it you gotta believe it. And that does conclude our show for today. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like the podcast, feel free to add it to your favorites. You know, hit that follow button. And uh, I, we are on Instagram. I say we, but it's me. You know, the podcast is on Instagram, at uh, Billionaire Brainstorming. Also on TikTok, at Billionaire Brainstorming, where I post highlights from the show, uh, occasional uh, bits about uh, what's going on this week. Uh, if you are interested, feel free to follow those sources. And that said, take what you've learned today right? Take what we talked about today and think about just because it's Sunday, right? So take this information, look forward into this next week and pay attention to some trends. See what you can see. And maybe just maybe you'll find a billion dollar idea. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will catch you next week.